month ago, I was talking with my good friends from Kane Collective. And I was like, you know, I'm a big time tequila drinker. And they said, man, you got to check out this Lobos. I'm like, really? Lobos 1707? He's like, yeah, you got to check it out. It's a, a man from Baltimore is the CEO. And the Baltimore area is the CEO. I'm like, come on. Not in the backyard. <laughs> like, yeah, in the backyard. So next voice you'll hear will be the CEO of Lobos 1707 Tequila Mezcal. Thank you so much. No Picks After Dark podcast is sponsored by Open Works Baltimore. Enrollment for Maker Camp at Open Works is now open, offering half-day experiences for kids ages 8 to 12 in digital design, drones, and sewing. Maker Camp is a great way for kids to explore their creative side this summer. Sessions run July 11th to August 12th. Scholarships available. Learn more at www.openworksbmore.org backslash youth dash programs backslash. Welcome to No Picks and the Dark Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. We have a hot show for you today. You know, I tell people I always try to get positive Baltimore stories and beyond. You know, I go from D.C. to New York, everywhere. And this one guest, I've been working with her team probably about two months. And it was a shot in the dark. I said, let me shoot an email. It happens. It may get through. It may not. But it got through. And now we are here. Miss Dia Sims, the CEO of Lobo 1707 and the co-founder of Pronghorn. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm doing uh, I'm doing really great. Delighted to be talking with you today, Aaron. I'm so excited to be here. I'm very excited. Uh, again, thank you for your time. You know, the podcast is about telling positive Baltimore stories and what's going on in Baltimore and people are doing big things. So thank you so much. So tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, you know, I, I know you're a bear. Morgan say bear. Oh, no bears. <laughs> So tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Yeah. So I um I mostly grew up in New York and then um was so so excited. I received a full academic scholarship to Morgan State. So um I remember when I came home, my parents said we got good news and bad news. Uh the good news is you got a full scholarship to Morgan State. The bad news is you don't have any choices anymore. That's where you're going. So <laughs> Um, and I'm so glad that I did and, and really just fell in love with the city and this area um, when I came down here. I have worked in so many different industries. I started off after college negotiating defense contracts for the Department of Defense. And then I ran a, a marketing company and, and did a bunch of promotions with the legendary uh uh, Mark Barnes out of the D.C. area, um, which I suspect most of you guys are familiar with if you've been to the park uh, in D.C. And then um, farmer sales, ad sales, a bunch of stuff. And then I landed uh, a role as the executive assistant for Sean Puff, Daddy, Diddy, Brother Love, Love Combs, who also works as a mediator, if you call it the Oscars last night. Um, and so, <laughs> call, so I was... Uh, <laughs> I was uh, there for 14 years, um, started as um, as Puff's executive assistant, and then was really just privileged to grow to become the first president of Combs Enterprises uh, entirely. And we had a wonderful run, and we built a really successful brand called Ciroc Vodka, um, more or less from scratch to becoming a multi-billion dollar brand. And then from there, um, I'm now so... Um, thrilled to work alongside um, notables like LeBron James and Arnold Schwarzenegger in this in a brand called Lobo 1707 um, Tequila. We also have a Mezcal. And um, it is just an incredible brand. I have, I've worked, I've, I've built a lot of things from scratch. 
Um, and this brand is really special because the founder's family has been in the uh, spirits industry for centuries out of Spain. And each of our expressions kind of honors this family history and has like a sherry finish. Um, and it really shows up in the liquid. And we've been winning awards left and right. And although we have these kind of legendary superstars behind the brand, our, our real star um, is the liquid. And I'm right, I'm right in Ellicott City. Uh, I'm local. So we are, we are majority minority owned brand. Um, you know, I often say we're just about next month. We'll have our first 12 months of consecutive sales. We have tripled our forecast and, um, that's because of our diversity, right. And not in spite of it. So, um, the liquid can, you know, you can taste it better than I can tell you, but it's a, it's an incredible liquid. Well, okay. So you're originally, so you're from New York. You're, you're yes, New York. I'm originally from New York. Yeah. New York. Okay. So tell us like one of your greatest childhood memories growing up in New York. Oh, so, um, you know, one of the things that are most memorable that wasn't that memorable at the time, but I, I think in retrospect, um, it affected some of my choices later on is I grew up in East Elmhurst, Queens, which is right near LaGuardia Airport and also Rikers Island. <laughs> familiar with the famous prison. Um, and uh, but the neighborhood I was known for, there was a lot of like. It was one of the first kind of like middle class black neighborhoods, There's a bunch of them in Queens, um, like in the 50s and 60s. And then when I was growing up, um, there was a music surge afoot in our neighborhood. There's a guy named Herbie Lovebug who lived about two blocks from me. He was really the precursor to Puff, right? In between Quincy Jones and Puff, right? You know what I mean? So right. he was behind Kid and Play and Salt and Pepper and Kwame and the movie House Party. Um, and I was relatively, maybe like nine or 10, I would see like Salt and Pepper practicing out of my backyard in the next backyard, Catty Corner. And, and they were practicing, they were practicing all day, right? And we, and I saw basically something that was uh, a cultural hobby, right? Around the way where, you know, Kwame would perform at the block party and Play became successful and opened up his own barbershop. Um, and then all of a sudden it became, it was global movies opening up everywhere right now, you know, now it's a trillion dollar industry. I think having a, a front row seat to seeing something that was heartfelt from our community become, um, this major, you know, not just in music, right. An entire lifestyle, everything that we do brands across the way people walk, the way people talk. Um, I think it really informed my journey. You had me thinking about Ola, Ola. You had me thinking about Rose, yeah. Rose, now. You had me, you had me jamming it back in the day. I, I love that. I love that. <laughs> I love salt and pepper. I mean, that that's that's iconic. So that's really cool that you got that you're able to watch that in your backyard and see that and like see it coming up, like the culture, the vibes. I mean, wow, that's that's a beautiful thing. I love hearing that. Great story. So Morgan State, you know, you came here. What did you expect about Baltimore? Have you ever been to Baltimore before that? Like. Did you know anything about Baltimore? No, I mean, we had probably driven kind of through Maryland. I have a lot of family in Ohio, but no, I hadn't, um, I didn't know what to expect. And, you know, it, it was different. It's very different then. I'm 46. It was a long time ago. And um, it wasn't as if I was, you know, following a bunch of people on IG, right? You you learned about things by whatever somebody told you um, or what you discovered firsthand. And, um, you know, I, I really fell in love with the city. I think people, sometimes I think Baltimore gets an unfair reputation but I just think it's a beautiful city full of creatives. I think when you look at what's going on in the artist scene, music scene, what's going on on the restaurant front here, it's actually incredible to see um, the progress, right, from from when I was here till now. Um, a dear, you know, dear friend of mine, Wes Moore, is running for governor, uh, and him and his wife, Dawn, I think they, you know, they're out of Baltimore, and they really just represent what the future of the city and the future of the state is. I love it. I love it. So 
we're going to get into your career. We're going to get into it. So when you first came, you talked a little bit briefly about it, but when you first got out of college, you were like, what was your career goals? What were some of the things you wanted to do? Um, I always hear so many things. You start one way, and then you end up going a different way. So what was the first goals? And then, then, then when did that U-turn or left turn happen, or did it happen? Yeah, so I do think it's really important. Um, I definitely took a very circuitous path. It's not as if I started in one thing and then just grew straight ahead. And I also came up at a time where we were kind of, you know, we the, the options were like in New York, you know, take a city test, maybe become a lawyer or a doctor if you really, those, those were things I was really considering. So I took a, a job at the Department of Defense because at the time I was planning to go to law school. Mm. And honestly, entrepreneurship, the idea of really owning something for myself wasn't really just something I even considered. Um, <clears throat> and I didn't really, I think, you know, again, you know, the time I started working with Mark Barnes was an eye opening thing of like, wait a minute now, I could just do all this work and, and own a piece of the thing that I'm working for. Um, so I, I say that that first role was so incredibly important because I was negotiating defense contracts over a hundred million dollars out of, out of college. So I was 21 when I started and just turned 22 and I was in a particular special program. So I got a lot of tra incredible training. Uh, I had a secret clearance and I was trained on negotiations for, for years at what was called the Defense Acquisition University. So the first thing was I kind of just happened to get that because of the job I took. But it's kind of crazy. Really, uh, you should be teaching negotiations in second grade, right? Everybody should understand how to advocate for themselves, how to negotiate, how to have empathy when you negotiate. And I think that was, again, something that I wouldn't have known at 21 years old getting trained in negotiations that was going to come in handy later on when I'm working on a billion dollar brand with Puff Daddy, right? You know what I mean? But it, the thing you, you, no matter what your role is, the things I've learned at these jobs were useful. When I was in high school, I worked at the coffee beanery, like a precursor to Starbucks by mm. the airport. I just recently was booked to speak at the National Coffee Association and was able to draw on those experiences. So I, I just think it's so important that whatever you're doing, just show up all the way because you're, you are learning something, you're being prepared for something. Um, and I did DOD for a bit and then I was, I just honestly got a little bit bored and I was kind of complaining about it to my roommates, uh, a guy she, she was dating at that time. And he was like, you should get into sales. And I said, I don't want to do sales because I felt like it wasn't, I don't want to push things on people. He's like, no, no, people are spending money every day. Right. Every, every, he was like, you just got to be, you just got to convince them to spend it your way. And it was like a different framing and also understanding of truth is, um, you know, nothing happens till a sale happens. Right. And it doesn't have to be viewed in this negative way it doesn't have to be a compromise to your artistry or your values as long as you are providing a true service and you can stand behind the product that you're providing so i went to radio sales since we're local i was at mix 106.5 which is still around, still around. <laughs> and uh i learned i learned radio sales and it was also a great opportunity for entrepreneurship because radio sales is like you you know at that time at least you eat what you kill right you you, right. you have to sell enough to cover your own monthly fee essentially so um you know often say it's like it's like selling it says all the drama selling crack but none of the addiction so you like, <laughs> like that there. i like that analogy you like gotta be out there really hustling and it was again it was just such a great lesson that like you know what if you can if you can learn how to build something from scratch like this you know you could do it within your own friend group um or for yourself yeah, i love so, i love yeah. that you said that because you know i started this podcast in 2019 and it was just for my Syracuse friends, so all my college friends. And you know, I went to LA, shaped in Miami. It was all just college friends. And then Baltimore came calling. I was like, can you talk about our businesses? Can you talk about what we have going on here? And I said, let's do it. And then when it came to sponsorships, it was like, your story is hitting home because I'm hustling. Like, 
hey, I'm selling myself, selling the product. <laughs> Who's on the show? Who's coming on the show? And, you know, I was blessed that people reached out to me before I even started asking for it, saying that we like what you have going on, you know? And people were like, then you, you have you have the mayor coming on, Brandon Scott, you know, you have people like that, you know, the all the gubernatorial candidates have reached out. They want to be on the show. Yeah. It's making the impact that it is. And now it's like, hey, now that you said something really important, negotiations. Negotiations is so important because that's all I'm doing now. It's like, all right, listen, this is this is what I think I'm worth. I know I'm worth. But now I know you, let, let's let's try to get close to that. Yes. You want a better product, me full on, then let me hope I can get my quit down day job and do this full time. <laughs> so it, it, it's, it's on that rip. But I like that you said that because it just reminds me of and any podcasters listening who are trying to hustle, try to get this, trying to get sponsorships. This is that was a great what you were saying. I really like that. I really. Oh, thank you. You dropped some jewels and gems real quick on that one. I'll say <laughs> on the show. So how did you how do we even get to puffy we're gonna move down the line yes yes p diddy sean diddy what, what i mean what, what era did you meet a man was it what the pick with the shiny suits or what the, <laughs> the shiny suits because there's, there's a lot going on to throw out here Go ahead. <laughs> well i started working um there 2005 and i got there i was back in radio hills again in new york okay. <clears throat> and i kind of inherited all of the record labels as clients and at the time, Bad Boy Records um, would not advertise on our station. We were a new hip-hop station, and it was a big deal to go against a, another legendary station there. And Puff was just incredibly loyal to that station. So I worked hard to try to make the case, uh, not to him, but to a lot of his team, about why they should consider um, you know, working with us. And finally, when um, New Edition, do you guys remember this? When New Edition went to Bad Boy, um, a gentleman, a great, a great friend over there who, who ran all of the budgets and marketing, Mel Smith. I said, look, you, um, I said, we have more women. I said, you gotta come on. <laughs> you cannot deny us this time. Um, so I was able to crack bad boy for the first time and then got more and more business there. And at some point he was looking to hire a chief of staff and one of their executives reached out to me and said, look, you just seem hardworking. You are sending us emails at three in the morning. You seem like you on the no sleep like him. <laughs> Feel like y'all might get along. Yeah. I really didn't have any relevant experience at that time, but um, went and interviewed, and then uh, short interview, um, and they called and said, "Look, Puff wants you to come on, but you have not managed really large teams before. Would you be willing to start as his executive assistant instead of the chief of staff?" And I was, I was like, "I don't care what you can call me. I don't care what you call me. This is what I need to make. You know what I mean? I don't care about the title, but this is what I need right. to be paid." And it's a place that I want to go because I felt like this. Um, I felt like Puff was somebody I could really learn from. The No Picks After Dark podcast is fueled by Zeke's Coffee. Have you tried their coffee yet? I'm telling you, there's something different about it. Maybe it's because they roast their beans in a fluid coffee roaster, which provides the most accurate roasting temperatures and made with love. You will just have to check it out for yourself and try their delicious food while you're at it. Open now for curbside service, online ordering, carry out, and they also do wholesale. Visit Zeke's Coffee at 4719 Hartford Road, open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m., and Sunday, 8 to 5 p.m. Kitchen closes at 3 p.m., or visit Zeke'sCoffee.com, and you too can be filled by Zeke's. The No Picks After Dark podcast is proudly partnered with Maggie's Farm, located at 4341 Hartford Road, 
Mackey's Farm offers a unique dining experience with delicious handcrafted cocktails and mouth-watering cuisine from falafels to scallops and everyone's favorites, honey sriracha cauliflower wings. Open for dinner from 4 p.m. until 10 p.m., Tuesday through Saturday, and for brunch, Saturday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., and Sunday from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. with delectable chicken and waffles, shrimp and grits, biscuits and gravy, and more. Check out Maggie's Farm on Instagram and Facebook for daily and weekly food specials. No Picks After Dark is sponsored by Snug Books, an independent bookstore serving Northeast Baltimore and beyond. In addition to featuring new books for all ages, the store also carries cards, stationery, gifts, games, and more. Visit snugbooks.com to shop online, learn more about the store, read our latest newsletter, and find a calendar of events, or come browse the store in person. Snug Books is located at 4717 Hartford Road, next to Zeke's Coffee in Hamilton, Laurelville. There is free parking behind the store, and open hours are Tuesday through Sunday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. That, that's that's awesome. That that's 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 an experience, and that's, that's something you can always take keep with you. So you left, so you did that for a while, and then you say, how'd you get into the spirit scene? How'd you even get into the beverage scene? And then with Lobos, like how did it even happen? Like how did it transpire? Yeah, I had t- I got into it originally um, back in the day. I used to live in Bowie in Maryland, and okay. we friends had a small group of uh, of promotional models and I got a contract with Seagram's old Seagram's at the time. So, you know, if you go to the liquor store, you go to a nightclub, so, Oh, would you like to try this? So I had hired like 30 and I negotiated. So that was my first entree into the industry really. And then I got into it again, uh, working for Puff when he, he had been, he had been receiving opportunities for decades um, to get into the industry, but he took it so seriously. Um, he's like, look, I don't want to go into spirits if I can't be creating jobs for black people, if I can't show us in a way that's right, I don't want, I want to make sure we do this right. And we finally had the opportunity to do it in the right way with Sirak Vodka. Um, and I was, I was the chief of staff at the time. I went and said, going back to my previous thing, I said, look, I want to be a part of the negotiations. I don't know if you know this, right? I said, I want to be on the deal team here, right? I said, I've been trained in negotiations, blah, blah, blah. He said, okay. Um, so I was able to join, uh, it was really just a small group of us, um, and work with uh, Diageo, uh, who's the biggest in the world in this space. And then um, we, we went back and forth about nine months. And then we relaunched a brand called Ciroc Vodka, which at that time had been out for five years. It was doing okay, but it was not doing to the level of expectation. Um, and then we just brought the full, you know, Combs Enterprises bad boy swagger to it, which I think at that time wasn't really in place in this industry, right? So no. we brought like, we didn't treat it just like a spirits brand. We we made sure all of the, it was in all the music studios. We made sure we reached out to all of the DJs. We made sure that like, we worked it like a record, right? right. Um, and, and also we were really intentional about saying like, look, if we're making money, everybody's got to make money. Like, who are we hiring? What what agencies are we using? Who are we casting? Like, we want to make sure diverse people, young artists get a chance to shine on this journey. E- even the way we shot our commercial, we were thoughtful about making sure it felt joyful and glamorous and in a way that diverse people weren't really being seen um, at that time. And, and it opened the doors. I mean, after that, there was you know another, I don't know, 150 artist deals, some of them successful, some not, but we're, we were really you know, grateful for having the chance to kick the door open, like leave, eviscerate the glass and make sure that, um, 
people can come behind us to be a part of this $353 billion industry. And then after building Ciroc, um, you know, in the spirit of, of continuing to want to have more and more ownership, this opportunity with Lobo 1707 um, came to me and had a great conversation with the founder. Uh, even the name Lobos, which means wolves in Spanish, comes from his family's coat of arms from the 1700s, which is why we call it 1707. Um, they told me about the brand. They showed me the bottle was incredible. And the founder is an amazing person to work alongside with every day. And of course, I respect the champion hustle of LeBron James. But again, I was like, well, what does it taste like? Because I, I was like, I'm not trying to oh, I'm not trying to go to the consumers and, and, and invite them to this party. If when they get there, it's not going to be popping. Like any music needs to be crazy. Like everything. Right, right. And, um, and honestly, that I fell in love with the liquid. As soon as I, I said, oh, sign me up. I'm in. And actually, you know, LeBron's story was the same where he, he was interested in maybe getting into space. He was a real tequila drinker. Um, and then when he tried it, he was like, "Put I'm right, I'm writing a check. I want to be a part of this. Wow. It, it's funny because when you're talking, you're taking me through my college years and all this. And I'm thinking about Ciroc. I'm thinking about, I, re, I just remember we would go to Miami and it would be like 10 of us guys. And we always got about two couple bottles of Ciroc. Yes. That was the thing. And you had to pull out the Ciroc. You had the Ciroc. Like, it was a lifestyle. It was like a thing to be at at the party. You weren't drinking regular vodka. You were drinking Ciroc. You were drinking. That's all we were drinking. And it was like for probably like four or five years straight. Nobody was, everybody was off the goose. We were off yeah. the goose. We were on the Ciroc. And that was just how it was. Uh, um, give you a background. We used to have, so I used to have a party called No Picks in the Dark. Now it's been oh. for 12 years. And so we used to, every week, this is how crazy. We had one party. A bar in Baltimore. We're not gonna name the bar. <laughs> they we we had my boys from New York come down. They were like, we just want bottles. We had a private room. They ran out of bottles of Ciroc at the party. They what? Down the street to a liquor store and got <laughs> more bottles of Ciroc. That's how we used to do it, and it was wild because that was our thing. That was like, and everybody would drink Ciroc. You sitting there, and it was just you go on a boat. You go on a boat rise out in the out in the bay, bring the Ciroc. We were sitting out there just chilling. But that's how, and it brought back memories. And, Lobos, that's where it was time Lobos. Like, that's what we want to see do. That's what we want to see. And that's what I know you guys are trying to convey that and push it out there and the, the product and whatnot. And I know that you see you love it. You fell in with the liquid. And again, what what's some of the things that, that I know you see you work with Diageo? Yeah. I work with uh, Guinness down here in Baltimore. Yeah. So it's with them, um, with Guinness or the allyship beers. So I kind of know a little bit of background about that. Totally. And that's one of the first times I actually saw you. I was like, I'm not going to lie to you. I saw you on like an article in a paper for Diageo or whatever. And, okay. and it was you and a two, it was you and two other women. Yes. Picture together. And I was so proud. And I didn't even know who you were. And I didn't even know you lived in Maryland. But I teared up because you were a black <laughs> woman doing something in the, in the liquor industry that was, it made me proud. I, even if I never had met you today, or whatever, I was so proud to see somebody look like me doing something. And I really wanted to convey that. And just representation matters. That's one thing that it's so strong to mm. entrepreneurs out here, out there, that you're doing something. And that leads us into pronghorn. That's a, yes, <laughs> yes. Pronghorn. That means so much for you to even say that. Thank you. And and I, yes, and if you guys have not checked out the uh, the Guinness Distillery, it's, it's dope. It's right here. It's a beautiful space. And they're hiring locally. They support right. the community, and it's also it's just fun. You should check it out. Yeah, they they were great to work with. It was a great op. I mean, with Urban Oyster Jasmine, an interview with her. So we had some fun out there and interview Ryan. It was a really good time working out there. So Pronghorn, let's talk about that. I mean, yeah. I, I know you guys signed a deal, Diageo, so to get more black businesses, black people in the in the in that space, right? Yes, um, yes. 
you, you, yes. you have a quote in there that says, probably's real change is a marathon, not a sprint. Yes. Let's talk about that. Talk yeah, about so that. I, how it all happened. So, um, you know, a few years ago, <clears throat> when this country was going through a racial reckoning, which felt new to some people, but very, you know, old to, to many of us. Yeah. Um, you know, the good thing was me and and our two co-founders, we just started getting a bunch of calls in the spirit centership, like, what can we do? What can we do? Right. And which which is the call I want to get, right? You know what I mean? It's the right intention. But we are not in um in the business of doing anything a little bit. And not in the business of being on the mural committee with all respect to the need for murals. And I don't want to plan the parade. And mm -hmm. I don't want to work with somebody who you designate to do DEI on Thursday nights after their real job, right? So for us, we were like, look, what can we do that will actually have long-lasting, systemic, legacy impact? Um, if Even beyond... It's bigger than this industry. What we've really created is a template on how to effectively diversify any industry. Um, and the point is, when I watched the news over the past few years, and I'm you know, so proud to see my sisters and brothers talking about um, advancement in issues of education and justice and so forth. But the, the glaring gap is talking about wealth creation and economic engineering. So communities can fend for themselves, right, with the right uh, financial wherewithal. So the reason why we called it pronghorn is um, pronghorn is an, is an animal most people don't actually know about. They're mostly in Montana. It looks kind of like a, an elk. And it's the second fastest land mammal in the world, second only to the cheetah. And if it was racing a cheetah, uh, to your point, in a sprint, the cheetah would win. But in a marathon, the pronghorn wins every single time. They can go 55 to 60 miles an hour. They, can they actually do race cars sometimes in Montana. And when we looked at where we needed to get to what we need to catch up from we were like we have to go far but we gotta go fast <laughs> so so this animal beautifully represented the mission of pronghorn which is a standalone entity of which we're so proud that diageo has come on as the anchor investor it is 10 years we are investing in 57 black owned founders in the spirits industry and then we are driving 1800 new Black American recruits into the industry across the entire industry at large. It's a $2.4 billion program between uh, both the Black community benefiting and the spirits community. It's pronghorn.co.co. We are, you know, we are open for business. We are looking for people who are interested in working in this industry and people who have even just an idea. I want to start a gin. I want to start a whiskey. We know sometimes you just need support and resources to get that idea on paper, to get the initial, the, the initial research. This is a very difficult industry to just get into. Um, and we think it's important that we have representation on both sides of the bar. So we have also built 11 supercharging elements to help educate our entrepreneurs and our entrepreneurs on everything from distribution to supply to marketing to how to win in this business. Wow. That's what you, 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 I, I got my pen and paper next to the side. I mean, like, ooh, I'm going to listen this back and just go back to church and listen to that real quick. <laughs> You really broke. You really broke it down. Cause like it's funny. I um. I'll talk offline, Bob. But you 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 really that means so much. I see a lot of these black brewers, black brewer, uh, brewers coming in Maryland now. There's yes. a full association right now that's building up, building up. And I see these guys doing it. And a couple of my pod brothers that interviewed a couple of these guys. You know they have the festival up in um Pittsburgh. Yes. So those like that. So and those are opportunities that we need. We need out there that. Not everyone can get that need and that opportunity. It's all about opportunity. 
and it only happens so many times so you guys give an opportunity for people to reach out and do that you know i hope that spreads the word and when i put this episode out people will say wow let's reach out to them let's let's see what kind of events they have going on let's see how can we get into this so i really appreciate that you guys are doing this and this is really just a game changer in my eyes it, we plan on it and it's not listen it's not it's not all out it's good for business right like i'm right that, that's the part too like i think there's a challenge in this like this is not a charity, right? You know what I mean? Like we know that there's genius in every zip code and it's just not being exposed because you have the first million dollars is the hardest thing for black and brown people to get, right? So it's just, we want to have a chance to make this industry, you know, bigger, better, and greater. The the, the challenge right now um, with DEIs is being treated like a game of musical chairs. But if you're doing it right, it's about building a bigger table, which is what we say all the time at Lobo 1707. We know that, we know, I know for sure, that the more black founders you're going to have, the more innovation, the more diversity, the more commercial success, the more success to the bottom line. Um, so we welcome, we are delighted and we're privileged to engage more and more black founders because it is just very simply good for business. I love it. I love it. So again, how can black beer spears makers apply? How can they reach out? I know you said on the website, um, is there a process? How can they go? What if you're just a, a guy who's in person, what man, female, whatever, and say, Hey, I want to get in the industry. I, I I got some marketing skills. I got some business skills. You know, how can the average person say, hey, I, I, here's my resume. It doesn't say liquor. It doesn't say, but I have those those set of skills there. Yeah, please. It's pronghorn.co.co, P-R-O-N-G-H-O-R-N.co. Um, and uh, we're primarily focused on spirits at this point, not beer, just to be clear. Okay. Um, but um, the thing is, the spirits industry is like every other industry. If you're good in accounting or law or, or marketing or you're an analyst or or logistics, like they have all the same things. So the problem has been to date, you always needed to have experience experience to get in the spirits industry, which is like the thing on voting rights, right? Like if your grandfather <laughs> votes, Preach. you can't Preach. vote. So, so we're changing that. We are looking for people from other industries to bring them into this industry because otherwise we'll never be able to change it. And again, this industry is a perfect place to start. It's an industry I love filled with incredible people uh, and great creativity. But what we are really trying to do is show that it can be done and build a case study that can go to defense and oil and telecom and lots of other industries okay all right so i know we just did a hard interview i'm sweating over here now yeah. we'll do a quick speed round quick okay i'm speed ready round, and then we'll get you out of here all right brunch or dinner brunch what's your favorite meal at brunch mm. oh, i'm kind of whack maybe like a crab cake and okay, okay. Well, yeah yeah, yeah. We're, <laughs> okay, so you brought crab cake up Crabs or crab cakes? That's the question. It's kind of probably going to be, I'm going to be a little bit corny, but I'm going to go for the crab cake. I'm going to go. <laughs> you don't want to get your hands dirty. You don't want to get your hands dirty. Okay, I get it. I get it. All right. Um, snowballs or ice cream? So you know that's a snowballs is a Maryland thing. You know I know. I know. I know. Don't kick me out the state. But I'm a, I probably just with the ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Um, skiing or going to beaches? Oh, beaches. Definitely. All right. What is the best advice you have ever received? Um, hmm, that's a great question. Um, you know, simply, I mean, when I was growing up, it's just simple, but my dad always would just encourage me to just do what I loved. He was like, don't, don't like chase the money because if you do something you love, you're naturally good at it. It doesn't feel like mm. a hard day and the money will follow. Like you don't have to, you don't have to unabashedly just follow the cash. Like you gotta, your life is much more important. Like your happiness is the main thing. You be, you, that and that that has always stuck with me. Okay, and where can we find uh, prong everything on so all your businesses on social media? Where can we find them? 
Oh yeah. So I'm at, uh, I'm just my name. I go on IG and all social media, just at Dia Sims at Dia Sims, D I A S I M M S. Okay. And like, again, folks, I reached out. It was a blind, it was a blind, like, again, I had local friends in the area who were like, just reach out, reach out, reach out, or they were going to give me email, but it happened. Now I appreciate you taking time out your day to be on No Pixar Dark Podcast again. You have just dropped so many jewels and gems. Representation matters. That's why when Ball Sunday did the article on me last year, I said I cried because it wasn't about me, Wendy. I didn't care about that. Right. It was seeing my black face in the, in the, in the paper. Ugh. It was seeing that other people reached out and said, wow, you did something that's a majority white industry, that's podcasting, and you're doing it from scratch. And you did it two it. years in a row, and you're in the Baltimore Sun and magazine. So then that's why I'm like, I'm pushing, I'm pushing. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to email these DSMs to the world. I'm going to email those other people to the world because guess what? I have, I've got a message just like everybody else out here. And Baltimore's received it. And again, I appreciate Oh, you thank you. Time. What do you want people to walk away from this interview from? What do you want them to walk away? You know, uh, there are two things. I think um, it's going to be about voting. It's about voting with your wallets. Look around your pantry. Look at your bar, right? Be intentional about, about how, you know, buying from women and minority-owned brands. Right. Um, we are very proud of our tequila, Lobo 1707. It's available at reservebar.com. But more importantly, just go out of your way to support craft minority women brands is really, really important. And on the subject of voting, um, you know, do your due diligence, but I'm going to unabashedly say you need to do your research on Westmore for governor of this great state. Um, he, you know, he and his wife, um, they are just, you know, heart led, but math based and they have all the acumen to make this state as great as it can be and make sure no one is left behind. Folks, you heard it here first. Thank you, Ms. DSMs. Love. Peace. We're out, folks. Baltimore Fiscal Partners is a boutique CPA firm specializing in accounting and consulting services for nonprofits, small businesses, and with experience running nonprofits and small businesses, they know that there's not always enough time at the end of the day for you to focus on your finances, whether it's monthly bookkeeping or an annual audit, tax preparation, or consulting, nonprofit or small business. Baltimore Fiscal Partners provides full range or tailored solutions that keep your goals and budget in mind. Learn more about Baltimore Fiscal Partners online at BaltimoreFiscal.com or follow them at Baltimore Fiscal on Facebook and Instagram.